I advise people not to start a business, an online business or any sort of business if it's just their only goal is to make money. A, you're going to be focused on the wrong things. You're not going to also do justice with your product and your services to find product market fit and actually help people with a with a good viable solution and actually care about it enough because you just focused on the money because you want to replace your income. That can really lead to destruction and failure a lot easier than something that you're passionate about, something that you want to create for the world. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. One of the niche topics we've only covered once before on the program, courtesy of our episode with Mark Douse of Quiet Light Brokerage, is the market of buying and selling online businesses. Today's guest, Jared Krause, continues on this important, but I hate to say a scarce discussion from his unique point of view, coming from his career in a strictly non-digital background. I want to emphasize that the way into this market really is open to anyone willing to have a look. Jared Krause, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? I'm really good, thank you. And I'm feeling good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Great. Yeah, I I, I appreciate that. Uh, we well, I I not that I'm keeping like specific track, but I think like one in every seven guests uh, hails from Australia, and and I and I do feel for people on the other side of the hemisphere when they got to get up early in the morning. So so thank you for being here at your your seven a.m. Uh, are you are you are you a morning guy? Yeah, I am. I yeah. I was awake for this. It came to came to be. So yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I don't ask that question very often. Um, and I will stop asking that when I talk to somebody who says that they never sleep. So, um, I, until, until that day comes. Yeah. All right. Here we go. We got a lot we got to get to. I'm very excited for this conversation. Uh, but first and foremost, tell us the audience and myself what you do and what you're up to these days. What do I do? Uh, so work-wise, I teach people to buy website businesses, uh, and then scale them and grow them. Um, that's what I spend most of my time doing now. It's what I get most of my fulfillment from and yeah. Great. I want to start with, it's a pretty sobering stat that, you know, you've shared uh, prominently on your content, 90% of startups fail and 90% is, you know, good news. If it's a test, bad news, if it's the health of an, any ecosystem, mm. there's some things I'd like to understand about that. One of them is, I guess, the distinction between startups that count versus ones that don't, um, if you if you can speak to that, like I, I mean, I, as somebody, if a kid decides to open up a lemonade stand and quits after two weeks, I don't know if that counts as a stat, but I think it also speaks to, I guess, the the, the broader issue of you know a lot of people give this a try and not a lot of people make it. So, what have you extracted from that uh, from that information? Yeah, so I got the stat from the SBA, which is the Small Business Administration. Um, from the US and I've noticed myself that a lot of a lot of people do fail uh in business as startups and I came from that background right I've I've failed in two of my first businesses and it was really really tough and what I've realized is that my goal was just to make money online to you know, replace my income so I could have a better, you know, have all those things that people want, location independence, financial independence, and, and more time freedom. When I came across that stat, I thought, why don't I go away and buy a business that's past that 90% failure rate that's already got good processes, systems, and it's um, 
you know, profitable every single month and making a passive income um, because it's got a proven machine, right? It's, it's found the whole hard thing that's hard thing to do, which is product market fit. Um, it, you know, it's, it's ready for scale because it's got a proven system. And I sort of come from the background that like all the thought process that most of my, most of the people that, you know, consume any of my content or come into my membership and work with me is they don't really, their main goal is just to make an income online and to be able to achieve those goals of financial independence, location, independence, time freedom. Um, and I advise people not to start a, a business, an online business or any sort of business if it's just their only goal is to make money because you're not really, A, you're going to be focused on the wrong things. You're not going to also do justice with your product and your services to find product market fit and actually help people with a with a good viable solution and actually care about it enough because you just focused on the money because you want to replace your income. Um, and that can that can really lead to destruction and failure a lot easier than something that you're passionate about, something that you want to create for the world. So that's what I that's what I believe. That's my belief system. Um, everybody else can have their own, of course, but that's what I've found is is my experience of just trying to make money just because I want a better lifestyle is you know starting a business just for that is not going to be the best option. I'm I'm happy to say that. Um, having been recording uh, conversations uh, such as this over the course of the year is that we have been able to collect a lot of different opinions on the subject. But that said, there are also some pretty consistent through lines throughout. And one of them is uh, to, to, to back up um, uh, one of the points that, that you're making is if, pe- if somebody gets into a, a business for the most sincere reasons possible, it's because they have consistently, consistently across, and th- these are guests that I've talked to, they had a problem uh, they needed yeah. to figure out a solution for themselves. And uh, just a few names uh, come to my mind. Um, you know, Kia James, who was doing uh, skincare, um, Paris Northcutt, who was making candles. Other people reached out to them, too, and said, can you make this for me? I trust you mm-hmm. because, you know, you're, you're, you're an individual. Clearly, the solution worked out for you. The, 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 sto- the story, they're identifying the story before the person even thinks to uh, tell the story themselves. I, I totally agree. And that's the best reason to start a business is when people are coming to you and saying, Hey, can you, can you help me with this? And, and that's the same reason that my business came to be is I struggled with the problem of trying to make money online and, and have a better lifestyle. And I bought a multiple, a, a few businesses, bought three businesses. And then I was, I had that lifestyle of like the travel and the location independence, all that sort of stuff, financial independence. And then people were like, hang on a second, man. Like, you don't have to work each place you go. You can just work a couple of hours on the laptop and like people like, man, you need to like, can you just stay here for an extra week or pay for your accommodation, whatever it is, just teach me how to do this. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a great reason for somebody to start a business. I'd like to know about, about your perspective, uh, being, having, having the worldview that you do. And I haven't asked this particular question in a really long time. I think this the last time I asked this was like the second guest. Where you see the the limitation of how many people can um, reach the level that you've reached 
And then what happens to all the remainder people who don't make it? You know, it it's, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of issues here that, that would unravel for us to really dig into this. It talks about sociopolitical issues. It talks about the health of an economy altogether, not just in the entrepreneurship. And usually I see that the limiting factor in getting into entrepreneurship is that it always incurs risk and not everybody wants to take risk. And in, uh, in many cases, they shouldn't. They, people are depending on them. Um, they have they have their responsibilities, and they just want to be happy. And well, you know, people work nine to five jobs, and they get to own homes. So clearly, is you know, system system works for for a great number of people. But I I think the limiting factor is effective here too, because I think uh, as much due diligence as you can do, which we'll get into, buying a business is still incurring a pretty significant chunk of risk. It's just you're looking for ways to mitigate it. Everything we do has risks. You're right. Same with buying a business. And I guess to answer your question, is it like, is your question, how viable is this for people, you know, in five, 10 years, 20 years down the track? Is there a a limit to how many people can, uh, are there, are there enough businesses to buy for everybody who wants to buy one? Maybe that's the best way I can ask it. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly, um, there, you know, there is a, it's a hot market right now, to be honest. Um, a lot of people want to buy an online business, which just means the prices of, of online businesses have gone up, right? Because demand has. Now, the reason why that is, is because uh, a lot, it's very attractive It's to buy an online business because of that 90% failure rate thing where people are like, wow, my only goal is to make an income online. I could, the risk is really high of me trying to start my own online business because I just want to make an income. But it's a, it, it can be, it's, it's lesser if I buy a business because I can buy it and as soon as I transfer that into my name, I'm making an income. Um, there is risk with buying it, of course, like we're talking about due diligence. To answer your question is like, I'd, I certainly believe there's always going to be enough businesses to buy because there's so many people starting businesses um, and new different types of businesses, different types of business models. Um, that to say that barrier to entry for starting businesses, I feel is getting harder. 10 years ago, you know, you could do this with very little money and some of your time, you know, start a, start a WordPress site, start a Shopify site, do some drop shipping. You know, I've, I started a drop shipping business. I found all my suppliers in a month, set the whole business up within a month and, and away to the races I was. And I just really needed to create some blog posts to get traffic, right? It's very different now where the barrier to entry is that you need some money to create a good brand, to build an audience, to build trust over time and to do marketing and to even get a, a, a proven marketing system, which takes, you know, um, you're going to burn money through creating that in testing and trialing and time and all that sort of stuff. So the barrier to entry I feel is getting, is getting harder for beginners in that sense for starting a business um, and I think it's going to, it could go the opposite way with, with buying a business, because that means, you know, you have so many different tiers of businesses that you can purchase, um, that have sort of passed that 90% failure rate. And, and, um, there is the risk though. There's still going to be that risk that you talked about that you do need to put money in. Um, at some stage, if we want to achieve anything, we're going to, we're going to have to give up something. Even if we, uh, if I look at an athlete, if an athlete wants to become a professional or somebody is an athlete and they want to go to the next level, they're going to have to give up something. It's going to be time, money, training, whatever it is to, to achieve that. Um, and people really struggle with parting with money because they value it differently than time sometimes and um, other things that they may value. 
And, you know, one point I don't get to make very often about athletes, um, there, there tends to be a great deal of resentment for how much money they make, but um, they've sacrificed a, a lot um, in, in a physical sense uh, to say nothing of um, what goes through their heads to really only be able to play for what, like 10 years, depending on the sport, how often you get clobbered. And then mm -hmm. they have the rest of their life to live off the money that they had earned in that window of time. So the, the, you know, the compensation is, is, is there f to make up for a great deal of sacrifice that they make. So I think it's a great example of, yeah, it does take risk and it does take sacrifice to, to give something up, um, which I think is a, is a, is as good a time as any to, um, bring your backstory into it. I, I'm always like, I always feel like, okay, when do I want to do the backstory thing? Oh, I don't, I don't always <laughs> want to start like right off the bat. Uh, I, 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 uh, no, everybody goes straight off the bat though. So yeah. I like that you've just mixed it up. It's cool. Yeah. So, sometimes I do like depending on the guest, like sometimes the backstory is just like, oh, you got to get it uh, in there right away. You like you yeah. had how many near death near death experiences? Oh, we are getting into that. You were you were in plumbing, and the idea of buying I I mean in in that frame of mind, the idea of buying a business is rather disparate from I think your your usual day to day experience because it's very rooted in um, a classic economic structure. In fact, I don't even think you technically need the internet to do plumbing, other than I guess like getting your invoices online. Like it's. So there's there, there's a there's a divide between that experience and and the experience you're having now. So I'm glad I waited because now I can ask this uh, two questions instead of the one that I had prepped. One of them that I had the one that I had prepped is you know to hear about I guess the the milestones of this journey and like how you were able to figure it out. But the question now that I also want to work into it is what were you what were you giving up actually i guess i can kind of see where you're going like uh, giving up consistent income but i you know i i would like to think that there's more to it than that in the in the psychological sense yeah so just to confirm you want me to talk about how did i get to this and then also what was i give what did i give up to get to this yeah okay so that's they're awesome questions i'm glad you asked them both Thank at the same time i i work hard yeah on i can tell it's <laughs> it's great some good deep thought going into it uh so what did i have to give up I had to give up time. Uh, I was working as a plumber and I was working 60, 70 hours a week and I was commuting an hour and a half to work, an hour and a half home from work. I very rarely cut people with that, but I was this close to a spit take. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was working big hours and I just couldn't, I just couldn't fathom doing this for the rest of my life and, and work, you know, batting on my body and stuff like that. So what I gave up was more time all in educating myself how to do how to try and make money online. So basically what I did was I was working and then I'd come home and I work you know three to five hours on the computer each night. So I'd do about usually I'd do about 25 hours of work on the internet trying to learn how I could make money online and start my own online businesses and trying to grow them and trying to make them work. Um, and it was so much time that I gave up. Uh, in fact, I went traveling and a lot of my time traveling, I was, I was on the computer trying to learn this. So that was something that I gave up. And then eventually when I cracked it, like I was trying to make money online for years, right? And it just wasn't like I was making a little bit of money, just wasn't really enough to carry me through the lifestyle that I wanted of traveling full time. And so I saved up money. And I had that some of that in the stock market, and then I wasn't getting a result, you know, an ROI in the stock market anymore. Uh, realized that everybody was, you know, I was competing against everybody, people with big money and algorithms and computers that could, you know, do micro trades and just 
beat me because I'm just a, a mere human being um, compared to these computers. So I was like, all right, I can. And then I found out about 90% of starts fail. Then I then I went into the whole, hang on, if they fail, can is the, surely I can buy something. You know, surely I can buy one of these businesses. And that's when I turned and, and started doing some research, found that I could buy these businesses from different marketplaces. Um, and then I gave up some of my money by buying one and my time. <clears throat> and then I bought one, I bought another one, I bought another one, and, and it just spawned from there. Considering how much uh, extra time you had to spend in, and also continuing a, uh, a job that involves a great deal of physical labor, I'd also like to know is, you know, where did the energy come from? Uh, was like four cups of coffee a day kind of energy <laughs> or? It's an awesome question. The energy came from like, I won't swear, but. Oh, no, we, we've, we've uh, gone to some dark places on the okay. show. Feel free. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the energy came from sheer fucking ambition. I was so invested and so ready to, to not continue doing what I was doing. And I think that's the real gap. Like anybody who can achieve anything, if they actually want it bad enough, uh, most people that are on my list and watch my stuff just don't want it bad enough for me. And if you ask a lot of my friends, they're like, fuck, this guy wants it. That's where the energy came from. I don't, um, don't drink coffee or any of that sort of stuff, but it was just like, I am, it's just so much hunger. I, I, one thing that I observed uh, in, in your story is with the amount of time that you had to, um, that you had to work at, at your plumbing, uh, position, it went over this threshold. Um, and by the way, this is the first time I really thought about this, but it, let's just say somebody has a threshold of, you know, the, well, working 40 hours, a nine to five structure, uh, get home, eat dinner, watch American Idol. What I think is a fair observation is if there are enough um, moments on a week to week basis, or, you know, on a day to day basis that provide catharsis and relief, um, that can actually kill, I think, the hunger that was within you. Whereas it sounds to me like you were so busy already that there the that respite that might have kept you in that place never came and so it was just like i'm just doing this all the time where and you can see in your head where you would rather be in the, in this in this case it's a physical location yeah or several yeah you're right like if you most people choose to numb out at a certain stage right like go home veg um and have the excuse of i don't have enough time right yeah. Sorry. No, I just, I'm just like, um, castigating myself cause I'm, I'm still like that. Yeah. And L small steps, but yeah, I'm still, still like that. I'll look at it as in habits, right? It's easier to, um, it's really hard to break an old habit. It, it's, it's super hard. Like the repetition of doing something differently, um, is like five times to 10 times as much to be able to, to be able to break that and, and create a new habit. Um, so you're right. Like the longer somebody does come home and, and watch something on TV um, and that's the rest of their evening, the harder it is for them to go like, All right, I'm going to do something different. So let's put that in an example. If somebody is to do that for five months and they come across the, the ideology of like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to like start spending my time on, you know, educating myself in the evenings and trying to work on, either buying a business or growing my online business, whatever it is, that's going to be easier than somebody that's been watching TV for five years, right? Because it's an easier transition. It's less, it's less embedded, um, that habit they've got. So 
yeah, it's it's. I, I definitely agree. It's it it can be hard for people. And that's why I say the energy doesn't come from external external things like coffee or exercising or you know i have a really strong belief that everything that you want comes from the inside out in fact i work with my cousin who created a whole business named inside out around personal training when we try and do something for the sake of just like i i just want to uh, like i want to achieve this so i can have some vanity metric or anything like that it's we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to do it but when we own it when we work on our mindset that's the that's the number one thing is when we have the mindset and we the, then we create the ambition right we need to be able to have a vision like a vision before we anything happens right and that that comes into manifestation and and all these different things and manifestation i've got my own sort of problems with that where it can be some people will take it and, and run with it the wrong way and they won't get the result. Um, people that don't know how to be grounded and, and have a good approach to it. But I've, my, I'm, I'm of a strong belief that if you want to achieve anything, you've got to have, you've got to have the ambition and, and that comes from having a good mindset. Mm-hmm. And, and and one point that I want to make to just to touch on this and support this is um, the way I've noticed it um, recently for me has been um, treating uh, mental habits uh, the same way one treats muscle memory so first time somebody learns to tie a shoelace uh, pretty difficult uh for me i'm like oh you know screw this i'm just gonna go back to velcro well grade 12 rolls around uh and so you know eventually i gotta learn the, i'm just i'm kidding it's sooner than that but wasn't that <laughs> um, little, little by little we you know we, we figure out how to do it and then eventually it's it becomes an unconscious thing and what i think happens to a lot of people and this has certainly happened to me um is those habits they become embedded because the body i think even if somebody is uh you know just like a permanent vegetable the body i think still um looks for ways to be efficient throughout the day so it's possible to be like efficiently lazy Mm -hmm. if a person is so used to what they're Mm -hmm. doing that the body still feels like they've actually resolved a lot of matters throughout the day we we're always trying to find as human beings biologically the path of least resistance right we're just we're just because we just want to survive, we want to um, we want to conserve energy. We want to just make sure you know we can you know we optimize for things to be as easy as possible <laughs> in so many aspects. Um, I've got a story. I got a um, a story as well that, that can tie this in nicely. Is that my mum really really wanted to lose weight for a long period of time, and she kept having that habit of like eating corn chips before going to bed um and like you're eating food doesn't matter even if it's junk food but you're eating it before you go to bed that's not good like that's easily going to turn to um you know being overweight not that my mom was severely overweight uh she just wanted to lose weight and uh she kept saying it for so long and i and i eventually once one point i said to mum, mum, you're fat you're right you're fat and you're never going to lose weight. And I was quite young at this period of time and, and mum was ready to belt me like absolute, like you could see the look in her eye. It was like sheer anger. And, and then she, and then she said, well, how could you say that to your mother? Like, why could that, you know, why would you say that to her? And I just laid it out. I just said, look, mum, it's, it's true. Like look at your habits. You're never going to lose weight. If you keep doing this, like you, I'm, I'm, telling i'm making something conscious for you 
I'm, I'm sharing with you that like, this is not going to, this, the input that you're putting in right now is not going to give you the output that you actually want. So we need to change the inputs. But I say that you're never going to lose weight because you don't care about losing weight bad enough. You don't want it bad enough because we only ever do something if we want it bad enough, right? Our actions, our actions speak louder than words is what people say. So I said to mom, if you actually wanted it bad enough, you'd be, you'd be slimmer, right? You wouldn't, you'd, you would have lost weight already. But the fact is that you actually don't want, don't want it bad enough. So until you want it bad enough, that's when things will change. You reminded me of a, of a, of a similar situation and this doesn't tie in as well, but it's just a, it's a funny story mm. and uh, apologies to, to, to my mother. Yeah. Um, apologies but mom, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, the Nintendo Wii came out with all of these peripherals. One of them is called Wii Fit yes. by this balance board and there's a game attached to it. So my, my mother, God bless me. I'm so sorry, but I have to tell the story. <laughs> she, she gets on the, on, on the, on the Wii balance board for calibration and you know, I guess the one saving grace is that because she doesn't play a lot of games, the idea of calibration isn't as intuitive, even if they try their best to make it intuitive. So when they gave her her assessment, they flat out told her she was obese. Oh, no. And I'm standing there being the ambassador for Nintendo thinking, oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. I'm like, well, Ma, hang on. It's based in Japan. OK, I mean, they have different standards there. How could so- they possibly have that, you know, that? I guess that um, calculation or whatever it is that algebra that works that out is not correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only one way to know if you're a beast is if you stand on the board and it smashes. I think everybody else is like, yeah. you know, what I mean, like if, you, if your feet can't fit on it or you don't have the energy to get up yeah. on it. Okay, so <laughs> so I just wanted to. I mean, you you told me a mother story. I just had to trade. It just uh, yeah. The po- the point is that like yeah, I was I was just saying like if somebody wants something bad enough, they'll get it. If they don't, they won't. It's pretty simple. All right, so there's there's a couple of things that we can. Uh, I, I want to tie this in. Um, we're gonna. Wait, wait, I want to. So we talked about we talked about muscle memory. And we talked about you know working up. So for purchasing online businesses, which is the thing that we really want to know more know more about today. What I want to know more about today. I, I get the logic of um, investing in an online business is a um, amazing way to generate income. And I think for a lot of people who have been attracted to setting up their own Shopify stores or their own online businesses or whoever the case is, being drawn to the income has been a, uh, in, incidentally, a limiting factor. I, I'm, I'm doing my own, my own store because uh, as I mentioned before we recorded, it's hard not to do a year's worth of this content and not want to do it myself. Um, and my, and I could have, uh, jumped to an, into it a lot sooner with a lot more vigor, but I also was trying to find a balance between if I'm going to run a store, am I going to have a brand that I actually want to talk about? And, and so it was from, you know, my own, my own creative, um, side it was from having some degree of emotional connection to it, like with the people who make the candles and the gluten-free cookies and all of these other products that really genuinely solve problems. And then part of it was also strategic, strategic too. By having blog content, having a clear vision of what I want to say and what I'm trying to accomplish, I can use affiliate marketing as a strategy. So, you know, from for me personally, I just trying to find a balance between, you know, I want to make gobs of money, but, you know, I also want to make a difference. And uh, it's 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 a hard uh, line to walk and not, not everybody um, makes that. So with being able to purchase online businesses, I think in order to understand where step one is, I guess the hardest question is how much money does somebody need to have to to 
uh, get involved in this? Great question. It can be any at any stage. Um, you know, you can buy. People will call them a business if they're selling something for around one thousand to three thousand dollars. What you really are doing is you're just buying a website. You're buying the structure of the site and you know it being built right. Um, if you're, you know, what I like to see, I, I like to say that if you're investing anything under the $10,000 price range is you're buying a startup because you, it still needs a bit of work to get to that point that it's kind of, uh, you know, got a proven system uh, and, and it's making money. Uh, and that can be e-com, that could be a different business model, like an affiliate website, like you mentioned before, um, which is, you know, a different type of gaining way to gain affiliates, but yeah. Um, and then there's different business models, but we don't need to get into that. Like I would say that, anything under the $10,000 price range is you are still buying a startup. That said, if somebody has absolute no, absolutely no experience with operating a website or anything like that, it can be good for them to just start an, a Shopify store, play around, see what it looks like, see what needs to be done and build some confidence before they go away and buy one that's sort of making a couple of thousand dollars a month. Uh, in terms of pricing from there, you know, $10,000 up, like you, you can go as far, as high as you like you know, 10 million, a hundred million dollars. Um, a lot of my clients are buying businesses in between the 10 to $50,000 price range. And then we have a few people buying in between 50,000 to 300 and 500,000. Have you noticed where, I mean, there's, there's so many reasons why this is going to really be a case by case basis, because you talk about niche, you talk about uh, what figure territory it's in. Um, but when it comes to scaling business, has there been an ideal uh, point to scale things most effectively being the outsider coming in? A great question. I, I'd say, you know, the, the bigger the business, like this is very general what I say here. So take it all as very general um, thoughts you know, you get what you pay for, right? And I also like to say that, um, you know, the more expensive a business is, usually the, the better it will be. Usually, this is very general. And with that said, the, the bigger the business, the more resources you have to reinvest into it, to scale it. So I don't know if there is a perfect point um, to to like how big should the business be in order for it to be able to get some really good scale. But let me give you an example. If you buy a business for say $30,000, okay, and that business is probably going to make about $1,000 a month, passive income, net profit. Um, I shouldn't say completely passive because you might have to work one to two hours a week on it. But it will make about roughly on average $1,000 in net profit per month. Now, if you were to buy something for $300,000, it's going to make about $10,000 in net profit per month. It's going to be a lot easier to invest more resources, say $10,000 per month into a business to get more scale than it will be for a um, $30,000 business. Now, you'll probably get the same sort of scale rate, but over the long term, for the $300,000 business, you're going to end up making far more money than $30,000 to say $100,000. So buying a business under the $10,000 price range is not really making much money. You're going to have to pretty much, like I said, in this, it's in the startup phase, you're going to need to invest a lot of your own time and, and mostly some of your own money to get that system proven to go, all right, if I put X amount in per month, it'll amount to X amount back. 
Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and that's actually one of the things that I was uh, that I would be worried about is having to fall into a management trap mm-hmm. where, you know, like I I I completely uh, understand that uh, once somebody is willing to invest three hundred thousand dollars to purchase a business, things should be running pretty well because otherwise, how did the business get that much? That, mm-hmm. They're not. They're clearly not laundering anything because we did due diligence. So it's yeah. it's a it's legitimate business. It knows what it's doing, um, and you don't and you don't exactly have that same. You have some clues. You have some uh, indicators that things are going well, but it is going to take more work. So it is fascinating to think about all this the the balancing act between the 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 time someone's willing to invest, the energy they have to invest, and the money they have to invest. So it's I just I, that's an interesting takeaway for me right then and there mm. is the disparity between okay I don't have a lot of money to invest into a business. But I still got the time to do it. But it also sounds like there could be a trap here where next thing I know, I end up spending almost as much time on this versus the time that I was spending on my own income anyways. Yeah, I guess, you know, if you buy a business for $30,000 and it's making $1,000 per month in um, net income and it takes you one to two hours per week um, and then you've got a startup that you put $10,000 into, you built the site and you and it's making, you know, probably... $500 a week or less. I mean, $500 per month or less, maybe not even net, just that's revenue. Um, you're probably going to be spending more time on that startup than on the business that's making $1,000 per month um, just to get it, just to keep it like to get it growing and stuff like that. There's, if you look at it, like it, if you zoom out on both of these types of businesses and the examples, uh, there's been a lot, you know, there's the feedback wheel of something that's quite small to you, you like, if you look at it as a snowball, right? The smaller the snowball, there's like, it's the longer it's going to take for it to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The bigger the snowball is, it's already got size, right? So it's going to pick up a lot more snow on the way down the hill a lot quicker. Um, it's just, it just, it's just a bigger business is you, you're going to need less time, less time you put in. If you look at the inputs, like, you need to put a lot of inputs into a smaller business to get a result um, that could be equal to the inputs that you put into a bigger business to get the same result, right? So you usually need less input on a on a bigger business if you've got team and processes and a proven system. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think it's a it's a really important uh, takeaway for for anyone listening to understand is that it's not directly comparable with say buying stock. Uh, which is the work has to be done prior to buying the stock to know what the stock is. And then the work, I guess, assuming that, you know, they're doing work for it and it's not just uh, generating dividends, you know, th- this, this investment um, is, uh, is a hybrid of, of time and money. And I think that's an, that's an important thing for people to keep in mind. I think there's so many important things that people don't consider when, when investing. Um, I look at investing from a, from a form of risk, right. And control. Now, the more control we have of something or the more control in our life, the less risk we have, right? So, or the more control we have in our business, the less risk we have as well, right? So, let me give you an example. If I want to walk across the street, the more control that I've got, the better. So, if I can control the traffic to walk across the street, the less risk. So, how do I gain that control? I'll go press the button you know, the walk across the signs, um, you know, uh, traffic lights. I can stop the traffic, right? I've got control there, which means less risk. But if I just go away and try to walk across the street without that, there's far more risk. Would you agree? 
I agree. And, and, I, and I appreciate this analogy a lot because there's other points, like there's other things to uh, identify about it. Yeah. Uh, like for instance, so I'm, st- I'm standing at the crosswalk and then somebody else is maybe uh, half a block away um, and they jaywalk. And I'm standing there waiting for the light to go because I'm a paranoid wreck and I assume I'm being spied on at all times. <laughs> so I wait for the light to go. Mm-hmm. However, this person, he saved time because he took that risk. And it was a calculated risk because there weren't no cars coming one way or another. Yep. Yeah, that's that's totally true, right? Calculated risk comes into it as well. My point is that you know the more control you have over something in your business and in life, usually the less risk. Now, when people invest in other things, I don't really think about how much control do I have over this. So for example, if you're going to invest in stocks, Forex, crypto, all that sort of stuff, like you can purchase that, but you can't control if that stock is going to perform or underperform, right? And you can't also value add. So if you go away and buy a business, right, you can control how the, there's going to be some external factors, of course, right? different changes to algorithms and, and marketing and all these different things. But you've got, let's be honest, you've got far more control over, over this investment than you would with a stock because you can make it perform, right? You can, you can have it perform or you can have it underperform. The other cool thing is that you can value add, right? You can renovate the business. You can add more value to the business uh, and sell it at a higher price and reinvest and, and all those sorts of things. It's the exact same with, Buying digital property, like buying an online business, is very similar to buying real estate. You have more control, you have less risk, right? So there's you're right. There's there's the timing factor that you may need to spend a bit of time on a business, right? A couple of hours a week or whatever it is. Um, so it's not totally passive, but you've got to a certain extent you can have less risk than say in a stock because you've got control and you can value add. So there's so many, and then there's going to be more things that we can talk about in terms of risk and control and, and all that sort of stuff with different investments. But it's a, it's a really interesting point for people to understand. Lately, where I've been thinking about my, my own investments, which um, aren't exactly numerous, but I've tended to look at investment lately as more of like self-validation than anything. Um, I'm a massive nerd. Love love me some video games, um, and and I have been invested in Nintendo way before I purchased my my ADRs. So I invested in those ADRs, and I don't expect money out of them. Uh, however, what I do expect is control, and the reason why is because I expect to be part of those investors meetings um, where you know they they have a teleconference, and I might actually have a say. Uh, I, by, by saying that I, that I'm an investor in it, I, I stake my own reputation on it. There, there, it gets into like black hat territory where investors are doing things they shouldn't do to affect, um, if they're trying to say shorter stock, there's a whole can of worms there. I ain't going to open up, but that's, that's just where, where I've been saying on investment lately. And, and I bring it up because it, it reminds me of my own, um, state of mind with the writing of my own online store, which again, it's self-validation. There's an idea here. There's a mission. There's a premise that I'm basing the the store on. So I, I don't know if I would if I would be able to because I'm just thinking about this right right now. This is the first time I really thought about it in a long time. Is if I would be able to apply that self validation philosophy into buying a business? I guess it would have to be around which kind of business I buy and if there is an idea that I want to support. And so there's a kernel of my own uh, of seeing a bit of myself in 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 the business. 
So let me let me frame this to you as a as a as a simplified question because I kind of went off into space there, which is: Do you see trends of people making, I guess, more um, emotional or personal decisions in the businesses they buy uh, versus making more calculated, focused on just generating the income? Uh, is there a balancing act there, or take it away? I guess. Yeah, it's a great question. About ninety percent of people that buy their first online business do it completely based on emotions if they're going to go away and do it themselves. Um, now, a lot of people that join my membership is I try to remedy and solve this problem and they have a sounding board, which is me um, to say, you know, sort of point out the risks and, you know, the things that are involved with the business and, and sort of like we highlight whether it's a good investment or not. Uh, a lot of people will, the tough thing about emotion is like once we're, once we've got that strong emotion or we've built that vision of us having that type of business, um, then we tend to just go, I need it, I need it, I need it, I need it. So the, the scary thing is that people will see a business that say it's like $30,000 to buy this business, but it's making twice as much as what it should be, right? It's making $2,000 net profit per month, right? But it's got single source dependency meaning that all of its revenue is coming from one traffic source and one affiliate or uh, you know, it's got single source dependency. Let's talk about econ businesses. All of its ads are coming from faith, uh, you know, all of its um, sales are coming from Facebook marketing. Now that is a risk because if Facebook shuts down your ad account, like it does for so many people, then, you know, you've got no business. Right. And, but people will, lock out that or not even know or not even be conscious that that's a risk, right? When buying a business, they'll go, but it's making $2,000 per month. And the other one's the same price, but it's only making $1,000 per month. And this is a very rough example, but they would go, I'm going to go away and I'm going to go away and buy that business. And because I've got the like, oh, $2,000 per month, this is what my life's going to look like if I've got an extra $2,000 per month, right? So they become emotionally attached to that and they go away, make a decision that may not be uh, a good decision for them. That said that sometimes people will be, and think what you're alluding to with what you explained about before is that people will have an ideology around like, I need to buy a business that I'm passionate about. Now it's the same thing. You could go away and be like, I'm really passionate about surfing. I like for me personally, I love surfing. It's my, one of my number one things. So if I'm going to buy a business and I've heard somebody say you should, you know, follow your passion, your passions, the pension, all that garbage that you know people regurgitate. Uh, then I never heard that one. Passion, yeah, pension. passion, you know, passion of profits, all these sorts of things. It, it can be good to a certain extent, but it can also it's it's got its flaws as well. But say somebody has uh, their passion about one of these businesses because it's in that type of niche and they want it for self validation um, or whatever, and and they go well. There's this business that's for $30,000. It's making $1,000 per month, but it's got like five revenue sources. It's got Instagram, Facebook, Google, Pinterest, and say Twitter or LinkedIn, right? So it's making money from five different sources. And then you've got this other one that's made, it's $30,000 and it's making $2,000 per month. Same example, but it's in that niche. Like I need to buy this because it's like surfing is my thing and that's going to be the best business for me because I'm going to be investing in it emotionally. 
and I'm going to be invested in it. I'm going to do whatever it can, whatever I can do to make sure it works and runs. But they're blind. They're blinded by some of the risks there, right? You can be passionate about something, but being too passionate about something can cause destruction to a point where if you, the business starts to fail because, Hey, I've got only one revenue source from Facebook. And then I go, oh, I, I can't let this fail. Right. Cause I'm invested in it with my passion and it's a, like, it's a vanity thing that I need to make sure that I'm so passionate about this type of business in this niche. I can't let it fail. So I go and buy invest like another $30,000 in to try and get an ad campaign running on Google and all these other ones, and they just can't get it done. So it's going to be more of a risk and it's going to cost them more money by just trying to go away, invest in something that they were emotional about. So investing and buying anything with our emotions is, is a scary thing. And I'm talking about, even if you, you know, emotional about the color of a bike compared to the performance of another bike, like that's anything we buy as an investment. Sometimes we buy good investments. Sometimes we buy bad investments. I'd like to think that there, if there, if there is an advantage to having a higher degree of knowledge on something, AKA a passion is that it could come through in, I guess, knowing more what's in the business's best interest, being able to say vet products better, mm -hmm. be able to have a little bit more of a say in the brand. So I, I think like in all things that there is a balance between, um, over passion, yes. but also being totally calculated about Spot it. On. Yeah. I mean, there's people that say somebody that is great at digital marketing. Uh, or Facebook marketing and they go, all right, I see this e-commerce business. All of its revenue is coming from Google ads um, and they're selling gluten-free cookies, for example. And this business is being sold, but I'm, I know a lot about Facebook ads and I've worked on many different campaigns in, in say, you know, selling consumables like food, and drink um, on Facebook, I can certainly replicate what they're doing on Google with Facebook. That's a that's a smart decision. That's a really good value add. That's an example of like when you buy a stock, you can't value add to it. You can't make that stock any better. That as as the owner of a business and you've got a skill that you can, you can build that up and and you can make the performance of that investment better. By the way. If you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version 3 has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. I, I want to bring back, this was a note that I took down uh, much earlier on, I want to make this about the about about motivation and what people are going to be doing to at if they reach the the level of in that they or the goal that they have in their mind, um, uh, such as what you were able to do, and and I think the, the 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 point of having that passive income is yes to have the the lifestyle that we want, but I think it also has to do about you know what's the kind of work that we want to do. I know what kind of work I would do if I didn't have to pay bills or anything like that. Full disclosure, I'd probably keep doing the show anyways, but there would be some other things that I would make time for as well. And what I would like to know, you, you can tell me, I, you kind of, I mean, you're doing your, your your work now, you're sharing this with others. So there, there's that. And then you have your, your passion with surfing. So I imagine that there's um, a work that you'd like to do uh, perhaps in, in, in that field if you're not already doing it. Uh, but I would like to hear about maybe some of the people that have reached out to you and some of the people that you're working with is like, 
what has been uh, what have been the indicators for people who've made it to that to that level that they water in their mind, and then what work do they end up doing? You mean people that are wanting to buy a business? Uh, sorry, I don't I don't quite understand the question. I'm sorry. Okay, no problem. Uh, not that I'm keeping track, but I think this is like the fourth time since I started doing this show. I haven't quite asked the question right. So when people, um, the, you have your, 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 I'm calling them clients, and they and things are running along, and they're getting this income, and they move into a different place, and they're doing different things now. I imagine that they're not just sitting around doing nothing. I imagine that they're working, but they're working in something a little bit closer to their field. So what I I'm, I was just wondering if you've noticed any trends in the kind of work that they end up doing when they get to that point. For for me personally, it's more about getting more fulfillment out of your business. Um, and if they've got like you got say they they're making an income from their business and that's all good and they've got all this extra time, what are they going to do with it, right? Like I think what they should be doing is they should be the time that they do spend in their business only spend it on things that are really fulfilling for them. Like um, going out and, you know, giving their products to people that need them most that can't, you know, and they get a lot of fulfillment out of that, but it's really good for, you know, media and, and branding and marketing and all that sort of stuff. Like there's some things that you can do in your business that uh, provide you a lot of fulfillment. Um, after that, if they, if they don't want to do that, I think that if they've been through that period of trying to grow the business for so long and spending so much time on it, and they finally have some free time, I think what's really important is they've, that cup of the business is filled, but they've probably depleted their own personal cup. So I think it's time for them to do some self-love and just start doing and, and, and finding some hobbies and things that can actually fill up their cup personally outside of business. Um, and that's what I see some successful people do is like, I'm like, cool. Like one of my clients, he's done really well in business. You know, when he joined my mastermind, he's doing 400K a month. He's doing 1.5 a month now. And I'm like, dude, go buy a, go buy your car. Like he really wanted a Subaru car and he bought one and then he bought another one. I'm like, see, now you've got this time that you are motivated to go away and spend doing something that you're excited for is so valuable because you have these 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 moments where you're just driving the car and some, a thought will pop up in your mind about business that is going to be an absolute game changer if you go away and implement it. So I think what is a really good thing for people that have achieved some level of success in their business is to try and fill that cup up personally, but it'll also have this cross-pollination of being able to add value to the business as well. And I think people forget that like they are the asset you need to protect the asset, right? The The business is only going to perform as well as you are. And the better that you fill your cup up, um, the better the business will perform. So that's why I think for people, and that's what I've seen and I advise is, is once they've got, you know, they've got now the survival phase, of like how do I pay the bills? How can I make sure I can put the kids through school and all that sort of stuff? Once they've gotten out of that, it's like start working on filling up their cup to a point that, that's full and it can only overflow into their business and their life and their relationships and everything else. So I think hobbies are the one awesome way to spend their time. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think it also speaks to a, uh, a far reaching um, philosophy of, you know, the quality, quality investments, which is, you know, you invest money into something, it makes you more money back. You invest energy and, 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 and love into yourself. And it brings about this creative spark that um, is the kind of a positive energy that people then use to to uh, improve their business along those lines. You know, it's it's uh, not never. No one wants to spend their entire life on the back foot. 
to oh, to summarize it like that. Yeah, I mean, just we do though. Like we we do have to get through this. Like I don't say that we all have to because some some of us, uh, you know, born into some wealth. Some of some of us aren't. Um, but I think that we m- most of the world do has to, do have to go through that survival period of just doing the crap that you don't want to do being a plumber and sticking with it until the point that you, you can get out of survival phase. Um, and then, yeah, just do doing you. And when you're so fulfilled, how can like it not radiate out from you into everything that happens? It would be, we should actually probably in, in hindsight, we should actually do that more. So when we're in the survival phase and give ourselves more self-love because it could actually allow us to achieve our results sooner but we don't prioritize it. <laughs> Most people don't prioritize it. I know that I didn't until I got to a certain phase. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important to think about, but it, I think it, uh, it clashes with something that we had mentioned earlier on. So there's an, again, there's a balance here to find, which is the kind of self-love that's productive versus the kind that is uh, reductive. Uh, I'm, I will throw American Idol under the bus numerous times, but they will, the, the kind of um, quick dopamine release kind of fulfillment. It doesn't, um, elevate people above that feeling of the back foot and more like it takes people's mind off of it for a while only to find that they come back to it and in many cases um, in a worse situation because it feels like well I didn't uh, these problems they got worse since the last time I checked in on them yeah there's um, Tim Ferriss talks about and Tim Ferriss got this from one of his friends who's kind of like a mentor he talks about um, easy choices hard life hard choices easy life I really like that philosophy because it blends in well with one of what my mentors says um, about green line decisions versus red line decisions. And it plays into the um, plays into the, the whole thing about compounding, right. Um, and long-term um, long-term results. So easy choices, hard life is where if you make an easy choice, over a hard choice, it's going to end up making your life harder. But if you make a hard choice over an easy choice, it'll make your life easier. Like I'll give you an example so it makes sense. Um, a, a younger me would go to a party and everybody would party, be partying, drinking a lot of alcohol, and I love surfing. So everybody is, I don't want to drink because the next morning I want to wake up and I want to go surfing. Uh, and everybody's peer pressuring me. Jared, you have to drink, you have to drink, come on, party with us, have a good time, you know, let your hair down, have fun, drink, 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 right? So I've got a choice. I can make an easy choice or I can make a hard choice. The easy choice is like, all right, effort, I'm going to go drink and party and have a good night, right? That's going to make my life harder because in the morning, I'm going to be hungover. I'm not going to be able to go surfing and give myself the self-love and, you know, clear my mind. I'm going to be feeling bad for myself, stuck in bed, eating junk food. And it's going to cause these red line decisions, right? Drinking is, I'm going to cause me to to stay at home, not get the things that I need, eat bad food, feel sorry for myself, self-loathe, all these different things. It's a red line decision. Whereas if I make a hard choice, I'm, it's going to make my life easier because I'm going to say no. It's a hard choice, especially when people like peer pressuring you and you're in that vibe and you say, no, that's a hard choice, but it's in the morning. My life's going to be so much easier because I'm going to wake up fresh. I'm going to feel good, feel good about myself, feel great about making that hard decision. Go for a surf, clear my mind, go eat a healthy breakfast and be set up for the day and have a great day. That's a green line decision versus a red line decision. So easy choices 
um, equals hard life. Hard choices equals easy life. So I think that's a, a good one to highlight with um, what should we be doing with our time and, and our decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of um, uh, some some people I don't uh, uh, talk to much anymore, but I remember I would be in the same situation that you're talking about. Yeah. Too. And numerous times I gave in. Um, but I remember, you know, there's, there's times where I'm just trying to explain, look, you know, yeah, this feels good, but there's a direct correlation between things that feel good in the moment that end up costing you, you know, tomorrow or, or, and I wasn't expecting you to say the next morning, I was expecting you to say, you know, these are things that end up costing you well-being in five years and 10 years when those choices start to add up. And it's, I mean, it's still true, but I, I didn't even think it was going to be as a, as direct as like, you know, what happens the next morning. Well, you've got, um, micro um and macro right so you got long like short-term results and like short-term things and then long-term things like 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 if we were to put this in the context of like i'm the same as you like i don't hang around those people anymore we've all most of us have evolved um from that and you know at times i did go of course it's just let's make the easy choice. I'm going to go away and drink. And I did that for a long period of time, which, which is why I use this example because I used to drink a lot. Right. And if I kept doing it, I would be in a very, and I was, I put myself in a dark place over many, many times of making the easy choice and that compounding effect of like years, years down the track, I was unhealthy, unhappy, like all of those things, which was caused from like a few bad choices. And the longer we, the more we make those bad choices, like I said at the start, like of, of watching TV of a night, same with drinking. Like if I spend, you know, five, five weekends, I say, yes, make an easy choice. The next weekend, it's going to be so much easier for me to just say yes. Right. And then it gets easier and easier and I get stuck in that habit. And the longer I'm stuck in that habit, it's harder to break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a bittersweet thing about the the human experience, you know, because especially um, the younger person is, the more favors they can do for themselves in the long run, but the harder it is to convince uh, people to to do that. You get to like you know, the middle of the field and a last chance to shape up and ship up, uh, and then you know you get to the uh, latter half, which. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to start cascading on that, but it's just um, it's just what I can't help but think about in the, in the overall perspective of, a, of the human experience. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. The overall perspective is really good. And if we're talking about perspective here, like, and success and results and wanting to achieve anything, like anybody that's achieved anything is somebody that has delayed gratification, not wanting it now, understand it's going to take a, a, a certain period of time to be able to achieve it. And those people that achieve things are the ones that have are long-term thinkers. And I think anybody that's got any results is a good long-term thinker. And I just don't think that most people haven't been taught what long-term thinking is and how to make decisions, healthy decisions for ourselves and for our businesses. Yeah, I, I, I've mentioned it, you know, a, a couple of uh, times throughout different uh, episodes is because I'm not like, I'm not anti-matrix, if that makes sense. Like, I, I again, I understand the need for there to be a, a structured economy and, and systemized ways of living because a lot of people just need to be able to uh, to do that for their own personal priorities. And it's, and it's interesting because we talk about the, you know, the 90% versus the 10%. And that to me seems to reflect just not just e-commerce, but entrepreneurship altogether is, you know, the 10% of people that don't 
exist in that structure are the 10% that not only try the business, but, but make it. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a overall, um, the, you know, 90, 90 to 95% of un, uh, people are unhappy, unhealthy, don't have this, don't have that. When there's a certain 5%, only a certain small people are wealthy in the world, all that sort of stuff. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a pattern, right? There's a huge pattern. So we, uh, we, we've got, I think we just got over, yeah, we just uh, did, an, did an hour. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, I'll ask you a couple of other questions too, because there's some other things that I wanted to um, uh, clear up on, uh, on the agenda, but I just want to say, it's been great talking to you. Oh, uh, I, think I was a lot just of about people, to say the same. It's been yeah. fun. So I'm happy with more questions. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So one of them is, uh, this is a, like a resource question. So um, last person I spoke to about this, Mark Dallas of Quiet Light Brokerage, um, he mentioned uh, Flippa. Um, as like one business or resource people can look into. Um, I just was wondering if you can add to that, if there's any other resources that um, cross your mind as ones that people should be looking into to get a better sense of, you know, what businesses people can look into and how to make those investments. Oh, wow. That's very humble of, of Mark to say Flipper since he's a broker and he's got his own brokerage. So guys, I would say, hey, go away and um, check out Mark's uh, episode with Joseph. It's probably really good. I know Mark, he's a great guy. Um, I've had many chats with him on my podcast and other places. Um, so check out that podcast. I would also say quite like brokerage. You can go away, check out them, which is Mark's. Um, he's like the co-founder of that business there. Um, brokerage, quite like brokerage.com. Um, they, they do for, for, it's not really for a beginner because they do sell businesses that are like, you know, 50, hundred K up. And, and that's why I asked about like, you know, different tiers and that's why he mentioned Flipper. But yeah. Yeah. Flippers, Flippers a good one. Uh, there are, um, some smaller ones like motioninvest.com, motioninvest.com, uh, you know, a, a brokerage where they usually sell businesses under the $70,000 price range They're not e-commerce businesses. They're more media businesses and content websites. Uh, and then the one that we've got to, we've got to mention here for your audience is, um, Shopify exchange, like Shopify exchange marketplace. Have you heard of that before? Only because I was looking into your content. That's the only reason why I heard of it beforehand. Yeah. Most people don't know it exists. And Shopify exchange is a place where people that have Shopify businesses can just list them for sale. Um, so yeah, check that out that, you know, you can, it's, it's very similar to flipper. Uh, you, I'm going to say, um, there's a huge caveat here is you, if you're going to buy one, make sure you get some help from somebody doesn't need to be me, but you just want to at least know how to do due diligence and have somebody look at it because, uh, there are people that set up Shopify businesses and say they're making X amount when there may not be, or yeah, say they're producing a result but they're not. So, but Shopify exchange do have some good businesses. I've had multiple clients buy businesses from Shopify exchange, decent businesses as well. So um, that's a good one for your audience to check out. I, 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 I will, I'll even do that myself. So due diligence. So I'm counting down. I got three, three left for you. Three, third one being the usual wrap up question. So the due diligence was, was another one that I wanted to ask and you transitioned into it. So I, I, I already spoke to Mark about what is due diligence. Um, so I don't want to uh, do that question again. But what I do want just to help, I guess, triangulate my understanding of it is, is due diligence firmly a, a consistent thing regardless of, you know, who's doing it? Or 
does are is there a variation with say your take on it versus say what marks would be um granted i think some of it has to do with the scale of the business but beyond that is there anything do you have like your own personal due diligence that you uh factor in as well yeah i do i've got my own due diligence framework that um i give away for free and a lot of my clients use um and it just makes it easier knowing what questions and things to ask and what information you need to find out about the business. The more information you have, the better decisions that you can make. And that's what we need to do when we're buying a business. Um, one thing that I would, something that I say to my clients, which is like kind of become a, a quote thing in our group, uh, is that I like to think about buying a business or investing in something very differently to most people, probably 90% if we're going to go full circle on, on that sort of stat. Um, what I like to say to people is like, our goal is to not um, prove a business is a um, good investment. Our goal is to prove a business that is a prove that the business is a bad investment. And if we can't, we must buy it. Because a, a, a lot of people, I'll, I'll give it context, a lot of people will go to buy business and they'll have this image of like, it's making X amount of money. I need to, I need to buy it. So I'm going to prove it's good enough to buy. That's super dangerous. Instead, what you want to do is prove that all the businesses you look at are just crappy businesses. And if you can't prove that one of those businesses is a crappy business, the only thing left to do is to purchase it, right? It's good. It's a good investment. So don't come up from the angle of like, I need to buy this business. I need to prove it's good enough because that's, that's very dangerous. And that's what most people do. So that's my philosophy around it. And yeah, due diligence, like this, I've got a framework. Um, and this it's what Tony Robbins says is like the better questions you have, the better answers that you're going to get. Uh, it's the same when doing due diligence is, it's just, there's, there's some critical questions that you should be asking to find out information and the better information you have, the better the decisions you can make. That's a huge takeaway for me is just the idea. I, I don't know if it's the exact same. I'm just, I don't know. I, for some reason I was relating it to like uh, a court case and proving innocence or proving guilt. I don't, I don't quite, I'm, I'm trying to draw it in my head. I don't quite, I'm not quite there, but the idea of, okay, let's figure out the, how, how could this fail? And if not, well, uh, we've, uh, okay. I, I, this, this is me processing information. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. There's another one that, um, whether you like him or not, there's a man, his name's Donald Trump and he has a quote that says the, um, sometimes the best investments are the ones we don't make. Yeah. That, uh, th that checks out as well. And, uh, not that I feel like alienating half my audience, but uh, I'd have voted <laughs> That's for That's why I say whether you like them or not. I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Like he, he, you know, I'm Australian, so I try not to follow any of that stuff. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian and my, my running uh, philosophy is that Canada is just basically the United States wearing a helmet. So <laughs> it's, we we're we're, we're more invested in the States than we are in our own yeah. politics. I, I couldn't even tell you like. There, there was a there was a window of like ten years where I didn't even know who our mayor was, nor did I care. Yeah, right. All right. Um, so second to last one, the uh, penultimate question. This one's kind of a silly one, but I, I, maybe there's some something here to extract, which is, is money the only metric, or have you been able to identify other metrics that might lead to it being a wise investment, like traffic or engagement or community presence? If, is like, if have you ever seen like a business or? Uh, I guess it's technically a business, but have you seen one or have you even seen, for instance, you just tell that something has got the potential and you just know that if the, if a few tweaks, this thing will really take off or is money king? 
Gosh, wow, what's such a great question? Um, it's definitely not king. Uh, if we go back full circle to the example of um, a business that's making $2,000 per month and it's $30,000 to purchase it or $1,000 per month and it's $30,000 to purchase, you know, but the, the one that's making $1,000 per month has five revenue streams, it's going to be far less risky to purchase that, that other business, all right, and pick apart one of those revenue streams or two of those revenue streams and reinvest into those um, and optimize them um, because you, if you do that with multiple ones, you can grow the business. You could probably quickly get it to two grand, um, but with less risk. So money's certainly not king. Another example is that a site may be getting a bunch of traffic, right? And let's stick with e-commerce. A site may be getting a bunch of traffic and they come to the site and they, they're on the site and they just don't end. They're on the site for a while, right? We look at our analytics on the site for a while. They're clicking around, go to a few pages and, Bounce rate's not high and we like, well, how come they're not actually buying here? Like they're the right audience. But you know how to design a great Shopify store and you are really good at CRO, conversion rate optimization. You just go, you can go in and, and start doing some CRO testing and optimize the business to funnel that traffic into more sales. Um, and it's going to make you more money. But if the product is good, you're going to be helping far more people. And that is probably the best metric to track is like how many lives are you changing with the product or the services you have? That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's a, I couldn't ask for a better answer to that question. Um, all right, well, that concludes the lightning round. And with that, uh, uh, Jared, it's, uh, it's, it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to, um, uh, to have this talk with you today. Um, my, 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 this is my kind of episode, my kind of show where I get, let's, uh, let's go off into space for a little bit. Let's come back, do some practical, do some, uh, do some woo woo, get it all in there. It's been so fun. Like, I just want to say you've got a brilliant brain and such good questions. So thank you. Well, thank you. I, there was, there was one point where you said, you know, you ask better questions, you get better answers. And, uh, yeah, there's a part of me is like, yeah, yeah, I can, I, I see that. <laughs> so final question is. Uh, part A, if there's any other bits of wisdom you feel like sharing, like a Chinese proverb, or I just, I don't know anything that sticks out to you, feel free, but you shared plenty. So you're basically off the hook. And then the other half is tell the audience how they can find out more about you, what you're up to. And I would say if they're really raring to go on this, they should be checking out um, your podcast. And one more shout out to uh, Quiet Light Brokerage as well. Yeah, Quiet Light Brokerage is good. I don't know if I have a, a, a quote or any, any wise things. I guess I just, stuff just comes out of my mouth sometimes. So um, I won't try and focus on that. Uh, I got into this running joke where I would just like say things that are clearly not Chinese proverbs and call them Chinese proverbs. Like no money, no funny bunny, honey. Chinese proverb. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, I think um, mindset's probably like if people were to focus on one thing, it'd probably, you know, mindset and stuff like that um everything else comes from there like everything everything else comes from the brain everything else comes from your thoughts so um focusing on a good mindset is probably a, a, if anybody's wanting something to lean into as a call to action from here is 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 go go forwards and, and work on your mindset yeah if people want to find out more about me they can just go away and you know if they liked listening to me and they want to hear more um i have a podcast buying online businesses podcast um, it's on my website, buyingonlinebusinesses.com. They can go away and check out all that sort of stuff there. Um, or if they want to 
email me, they can email me at jared at buyingonlinebusinesses.com and happy to answer any and all questions. Fantastic. All right. Well, that is going to be it to my audience. As always, it is an honor and a privilege to collect this information, absorb it as best I can, and then share it with all of you. And once more to my guest, um, thank you so much for your time and take care. We will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.